0: song, let's do what it says. Keep playing that. Lay your burdens down. The Father's in the house. Jesus, you are welcome. All disappointment laid at the throne of the King. All fear laid at the throne of the King. Lift up your faces, church, because we know the end. It's already written in stone by the King of Kings. The prodigals come home. The help is final. Love is on the move. When the Father's in the room Prison doors swing wide The dead come to lie. Love is on the move When the Father's in the room Do you believe it? Miracles take place The cynical mind play. Love is breaking Now it's shaking going to sing this bridge again. I feel it in my spirit. Just keep playing. Lift up your hands, holy hands. We are a people called by his name. I just feel like with everything going on in our nation and stuff, we as a church, you know, in our flesh, we want to we want to we want to do all these these fighting and we want our flesh to take over. Let's be the church and the people that says there is power that comes from the Holy Spirit. So we feel that burden, we give it right back to him. He's our intercessor. He's the one that says angels, armies of angels to our side. So let's shift our focus. Let's believe. Who's the prodigal son you're believing for? That should include everyone that doesn't know Jesus, including politicians that we don't like. Prodigals come home. The help is final. Love is on the move. When a father's in the room. Come on. Prison doors fling wide. The dead come to life Love is on the moon When a father's in the room Miracles take place The sickle hinders See you! I am standing in your love. I am standing on the rock, my firm foundation, my firm. Your wings, I find refuge and strength, my God, whom I trust. Lord you have set me free. I will stand and sing, my refuge and strength, my God, whom I trust. Lord
1: about worship is it helps us to kind of zoom out, right, and to focus on the God of all things. Doesn't that, doesn't that, does that happen to you when you worship? That's what's so powerful about when we worship, especially after a week like this, where we we have to zoom out and we have to realize Jesus is on the throne. How many realize Jesus is still on the throne right now? Come on, let me ask that again. How many realize Jesus is still on the throne right now? You know? And uh, in my spirit, as I, I had some remarks uh, planned, but I, as I was standing there, I thought, you know what? I just was reminded about um, about Joseph and how he was able. And we see this throughout Scripture multiple times when God will raise up Christians to influence a leader that was maybe an ungodly or worldly leader. How many? How many realize? Come on, right? Joseph influenced Pharaoh. Paul ministered to a a very worldly uh jailer right esther moved the heart of an evil king come on how many know that in all things god can work together his purposes because he is on the throne and i just i just want to sing this again and you can sing whatever you want Uh, just i just love this feeling of celebration that we feel in the air I love that what I felt like in my spirit, I wanted to convey to you, God is already doing it for me. I feel like God's like, they're already, they're there, they're there. Celebrating who Jesus is in the midst of chaos, in the midst of political turmoil. How many realize, again, can I just say it a third time? Jesus is on the throne. Let's fix our eyes there, Amen. Amen,
0: can I just, real quick, I haven't thought of this in years. My grandpa was a World War II vet and he was a decorated hero. And I remember asking him what he was thinking about, how he even got through when he went into battle. And, he's, and my grandpa was a man of few words. He said, he said, son, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about losing, I was thinking about winning. And, and he had that mindset of victory, even in, in the jaws of defeat. Let's sing this. We're gonna not fear the terror of the night. This is right out of his word this is psalm 91 sing it over your home we're going to sing it over our nation i will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day or the evil that comes and stalks in the darkness or the plague that may come at midday a thousand may fall at my side ten thousand are at my right
1: we trust you in all things, Lord. In every season, we trust you. We trust you. Can we just say that out loud? We trust you. In fact, can we say it like this? In God, we trust. Come on, let's say it again. In God, we trust. You know, I just want to reiterate something I shared in the end of the sermon um, two weeks ago. Uh, something I had read out of, um, oh, what's his name? I can't think of the pastor's name. But anyway, he had said, if you draw three concentric circles, and one of them is obedience, and the the other one is trust. um, Trust, obedience. uh, I can't remember the other one. I just lost it. But anyway, right in the center is worship. Because what you, what you focus on, what you trust, and what you obey is ultimately what you worship. How many realize that's that's Jesus in this place? And I hope in your heart that you truly trust God, that you obey his word, that you surrender to him, that worship isn't just, uh, you know, 25 minutes on a, on a Sunday. It is our whole lives get to be expressions of worship to him. Amen? Well, we're doing worship just a smidge. Speaking of the musical form of worship, we're doing a little bit shorter today because we have a lot to get through today. Why don't you uh, go ahead and be seated? And can I steal that order of service from you? Could I have that right there, Pastor? Ben? thank you. I just don't want to miss any. I know there's a lot today. Hey, can you can you real quick just thank Will and the team? They are awesome. And there's so many people who serve our I th- I know if I'm I'm get myself in trouble if I go around cuz then I miss a ministry but would you think like our audio video department James the guys Carsciolas everybody Ruth you guys we love you You realize they can just mute my mic at any moment don't don't do that it won't be funny if you do. I don't need the podium thank you though Okay um just want to just want to thank you by the way for being so gracious and understanding this world of of COVID that we're in and going to two services. Do you know, I had absolute just encouragement. Do you know, I, I everybody who said, yes, I'm willing to do that. Yes, we'll, we'll spread out. Cause here's the thing. We had 170 and then last week when we went to two services, we got to 240. We're two thirds back. Isn't that awesome? So, so these decisions are hard to make and I just want to thank you. Uh, so turn to your neighbor and just give him a big cheesy. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Seriously, thank you for being understanding and just working with us. We're, we're doing the best we can to listen to the Holy Spirit and be accommodating uh, to everyone's desires and, and stuff. Um, also, we want to invite you to, you know, check out our Bible studies. Uh, I just had someone share in our path of discipleship. By the way, how many do we have in the path, Pastor Ben? Was it like 25, 24? 24 people were in the path of discipleship saying, I'm ready to take the next step in my walk with God. Come on. Is that Awesome. That was so cool. And at the end, we just said, you know, does anybody want to share anything about what we talked about? And somebody said, you know what? I am moved all the time at my Bible study uh, basically just in this community of people who love the Lord. And, and so I just want to encourage you, do that. Check out the Bible studies and the life groups at followjesustogether.com. Can everybody say that URL with me? Followjesustogether.com. That's got all the information uh, you need. Well, today is also Stand Sunday. So this is something that uh, obviously resonates with our church because of our 10-year mission. We want to see 140 kids. Yes, you heard that right. 140 kids who are currently waiting for a family to feel and know the love of God through you. Come on. Can I get amen? Here's the amazing thing. We have 10 families who have already uh, begun that process. Can we give a praise, God, for that? I want to have those families come forward. So the Fretwells, the Dismukes, everybody uh, that we talked to, yeah, come on down. Come on down, families. Brownleys, Jeremy's going to be your second. And uh, some of them are going to be second service. And we have a gift for them. And uh, we just want to celebrate them. Awesome. Carouselas, come on up. Sometimes when I say come on down, I feel like Bob Barker, so I try not to say that. Um. And then if Nancy Kitzmiller or Nikki Culver, I think it was Nancy that was here first service, is going to maybe help me give out these gifts. Thank you. Um, So these guys have said yes to the Lord to love these kids and to show them God's goodness. And so we have a little special gift for them. So these say every child. And this is a hashtag that I've been using here this last few months, talking about every child deserves Father God's love. In fact, pretty much every time me and Jeremy talk about it, I can see him tearing up already because pretty much every time we talk about it, we just tear up because God has done something in our hearts. And nobody goes into this without the Lord speaking to them because it's a big commitment. But what I love about these couples is when I look in your eyes, I see the love of Father God. I see the love of Jesus being expressed to these kids who need love Um, And I think it's so beautiful. So these shirts we're using as a fundraiser for a ministry that we're starting called FAM. So everybody say say FAM. Okay, so that's Foster uh, Adoptive, uh, or no, Foster Care Advocacy Ministry. And what that does is that allows us to uh, raise money so we can do cribs, formula, we can have basically the shopping area, and date nights. Can I get an amen about date nights? She said what? Sherry said, What's that? Okay, so I'm gonna have Nancy come up and give these guys some gifts. In these gift bags, Angus's is next week. Ooh, that's mine. I get a gift. Thanks, Nancy. You're awesome. Woo! I'm gonna keep that. Okay. And Katie is standing in for the Mets family. Give a hand to Katie. Cox's second service, second service, second service. Okay. And we have, we have one for you too, Carciola. Yes. Okay. What's in here is a $50 date night uh, out to O'Charlie's, uh, a t shirt, and a card. Can we just one more time give them a big, come on, let's stand up to our feet. Let's stand up to our feet. These guys are on the front lines. I've had lunch with many of them, Carciolas uh, just a month ago, and these guys many times hearing their heart, what God has put in their heart to love these, these kids who need the, need the Lord, need the Lord's love, and I, it ministers to me, it just, it really impacts me to see that the love that they're giving to these kids, so guys, we thank you, we love you, and we want to say collectively, we're here for you, you are not in this alone, you're not in this alone. Uh, when you need time, there's there's a number of people now who've got certified for respite care, so you can go out on a date. Can I get a wit? no kids? No kids. He said no kids. All right, one more time. Give him a big round of applause. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Thank you so much. They're awesome. All right, I want to invite up Pastor Ben. Uh, he has an announcement for you guys today. Uh, yep. Thank you, brother.
2: Uh, my, my announcement won't sound like celebration right now, but I can promise you this. As people of faith, you'll be celebrating this down the road. Amen? Show me your hands if you're a people of faith. Amen? Yeah. So what I want to share with you today, I'm going to tell you right now, the Lord is at work and doing great and mighty things in his people and in this church. Amen? Amen? I need you to hold on to that because Satan's going to try to sneak in and steal something this morning. And I want you to decide right now I'm not listening to the wrong voices. Amen? So I want you to hear this. The Lord sent us out here five years ago, six years ago, for this place of transition. And what the Lord is doing right now through this entire year is saying, listen, there is a whole reset on this nation. There is a reset in my church. And I need you to hear this from the Lord this morning. God is saying, I have new wine for you and I have new wine skins for you here at Rock of Grace. Now, what's going to be difficult, the Lord also said, Rossers, I need you to step away because I have new wine for you, and it's going to require new wineskins for us. And so this is hard to hear this morning, but we feel like the Lord has asked us to step out of ministry here in this place. And I want you to hear my heart. My heart is this, we are not stepping away from our family, we're not stepping away from this body of believers, we're not separating or dividing ourselves, but rather personally the Lord has said, I can't have you stay here, there's new things I need to do here, and there's new things I have for you. And so I want you to hear a few things. I don't know right now what the Lord has for us. I don't know where we're going, I don't know... uh, any step except he said there's something new here and there's something new to come for us. And so just in faith, just in faith, I have said, Lord, I'll take one little step. Just like Abraham, Lord, (laughs) you you need to step away from this place to the place I'm going to show you. I don't know what that place is. I'm not running off to another church. We're not leaving this church family. We don't have anywhere else to go. But we know this. Um, God is doing something new here, and he is setting up a completely new and powerful ministry in this place. So I want to bless you today, but uh, one last thing I'll say. I think we're going we're gonna to be here uh, on staff through the end of the year. We're going to help in, in transition and kind of typically in the church. January is a new launch time for new ministries, new life groups. There's newness in, in uh, January. And so we want to we help kind of establish what God's going to do in 2021. But uh, until that point, um, and I actually, can I say one more thing? The truth is this. Uh, I pray that nothing changes here. i pray that nothing changes here do we want to minister to you do we want to be ministered to do we want to love you and receive love do we want to celebrate always what god's doing yes so don't again i'll say one last time don't let satan sneak in right now and how dare you or or what's the problem or there is no division there's only life in christ Amen? amen
1: amen amen Stay right here, brother. As you, as you know, this, this one was hard, man, because I love I said, In fact, I said, can we still make music together? You know, like, can we still be buddies? And he said, yeah, that's, that's exactly our heart. And so I, I love um, the beauty of, of his spirit, and I'm so thankful for, I can't believe it's been almost six years. That's amazing how time goes. And, uh, you know, as I, as I looked around, and maybe I just thought this would maybe be helpful for you too, is every single pastor I talk to, Every, every single one is in transition. Every single one. Yeah. And you've had Chuck Pierce and Lana Vossler and all these kind of prophetic voices be talking about this. That uh, in these last few months, they've said God is, is moving people in his church. Setting people up for this new outpouring of his spirit. And uh, we're just excited. We're excited. Uh, while I'm heartbroken because I love him and yeah. Nina so much, yeah. I'm also excited because I know, like what I told him in the, in the office yesterday... Uh, or Thursday, was that when you step in to something that's unknown, you suddenly see God's miracles like never before. When you just say yes to God, I mean, it is amazing. I was telling him about a a pastor that I was interviewing just to kind of give you kind of this framework. And, uh, you know, he said, I did not put my resume out. I felt like God said, I will take care of this. And a friend of a friend reached out to him and said, oh, you want to plant church? I know who you need to talk to. And, and so God had just orchestrated it because God is on the throne, like we just celebrated. And God's kingdom is big. It's big. It's panoramic. It's beautiful. So would you reach your hands towards Pastor Ben? And Nina, I, I know we told you we weren't going to ask. Can you come up real quick? We just want to pray for her. We want to have both of you up. I can't pray for one and not the other. I just want to pray for both of you. Can you reach your hands towards this beautiful couple? God, we just love you. God, we thank you for um, just the tenderness of their spirit. God, how they they want to serve you. God, how they want to follow your spirit's leading. Lord, faith is a scary thing at times when you call us out into uh, the unknown, and yet, God, you're always with us. Lord, I remember what you had me say one time in a sermon. It feels like I'm going out on a limb, and it's like you're already on the limb. You're already there because your word tells us you go before us. Lord, you, you uh, surround us, Father. I thank you for, Lord, just the angelic presence that's going to be ministering to them, God, in these coming months. Thank you for the leading of your spirit. God, thank you for them uh, adjusting the sails when they felt your spirit uh, saying to adjust. And, God, we know that when we adjust our sails and when we listen to the wind of your spirit, you suddenly begin to move, and, and then we're not rowing, God. We're not, we're not striving or working. We're just following your leading. Uh, being led and filled by the wind of your spirit, so we pray blessing over our friends in Jesus' name. And everyone said, yeah, amen, and "Amen." Amen. Thank you, amen. I know that was a heavy one, and I, like I said, every pastor I talked to, I've had I've had more pastors call me in the last month. And uh, say, man, this is, God's moving this person, this person, this person's coming in. This per- and But you know what, he's on, he's, do, he's God. And man, he knows what he's doing. He will build his church. He said, I will build my church. And it's such a beautiful thing. Um, I want to uh, point your attention to the screen. to make sure I didn't miss anything. No, that's it. Okay. Is it oh yeah (laughs) I always forget the offering every week. Oh Kathy teases me so bad. All right, but Kathy's not here, so everybody's gonna keep this a secret. Can I get an amen? Can you all do me a favor? Can you all not tell Kathy he forgot the offering because you weren't here? All right. Everybody keep that secret. Say I will. No, it's all right. All right, have the ushers come forward. You I know you are, Ron. Leave it up to Ron. He's going to throw me under the bus. Um, we're we're again so thankful for uh, your faithfulness, and it's just been really beautiful to see. Uh, let's let's bow our heads and pray, dear heavenly Father. We thank you for this opportunity uh, to give to, to give to you our tithes and our offerings. And Lord, we truly, Lord, uh, consider it an act of worship. It's an act of worship, God. It's so clear in Genesis and even throughout the rest of Your Word that when we give to You of our resources, of our finances. We're we're telling our heart, and we're telling you who's really in charge. So, God, you're in charge. We trust you. We don't trust our abilities, our finances, what's in our checking account, Lord. No, we trust you, and we give this to you as an act of worship. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. amen. Well, um, we are going into a series called My Story. I, I told a few of you guys about this and you instantly lit up. You got really excited because when we did this two years ago, um, man, it was so powerful. How many remember the video in particular of watching Tony Seaman and then John Farmwald talk about And it was like, oh, that act of grace was just so beautiful. So this is my story or my story of God's grace. And you're going to hear some testimonies today. And it's 9.40. So, you know, we do have time to roll mine. We'll include mine. It was funny. I was, I was doing the sound check, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to tell a story about uh, a time when uh, basically I asked people to come forward or if I could reach out to them and say, tell me a time when God changed your life, when that was a turning point of trusting God. And so uh, we'll begin with mine. There's, there's actually four today, and there'll be some next week. And then these videos we'll be posting also separately uh, to Facebook so that you can share them uh, easily with your friends. Because, guys, I want to tell you something. When you share it, it's powerful because your friends on Facebook, your social media friends, you know what I mean, Friend. those people, they can suddenly go, oh, my gosh, if God can do that in them, God can do that in me. Amen? Amen. Guys, right, so let's let's watch this. What if your story is never heard? What if the testimonies of God's goodness, miracles, and salvation remain unshared and untold? Your children, your neighbors, and your family wouldn't know about the good things God has done. Your story matters. Your story is our story. It's God's story of redemption grace, mercy, and kindness. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, God through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Your story of God's grace matters. Your story matters. My name is Jordan Beale, and this is my story of God's grace. I was just raised in a great Christian home. Um, many of you watching this will probably know Pastor Mark and Pam Beale, very godly parents, and uh, they live lives of integrity. They showed me what it meant to follow Jesus, and uh, got uh, called into ministry when I was 14 years old at uh, Big Prairie Youth Camp, the Assemblies of God Youth Camp, and that just totally changed my life uh, forever. Uh, in fact, it's so, impacted me that when I wanted to go to public school after that and um, just share my faith. God really did something new and powerful in me and got to lead a couple friends to Christ in my um, high school, public high school, when I was about 16 or 17. And that really really helped me realize uh, that I was passionate about ministry and showing people uh, who Jesus is and uh, revealing his love to them. Uh, a moment in my life that I want to share with you today that changed me forever. I was in Bible College, uh, Brownsville Revival School of Ministry, and they talked about miracles, and the pastors would talk about the miracles that were taking place in the church, and even our teachers in college would talk about the amazing things God uh, had done and was doing. And I would see it happen sometimes in front of my eyes, but nothing like this moment, nothing could have prepared me for this moment when uh, I was in this little church. Uh, I was only about 50 or 60 people there. I'll never forget, I left my instrument and um, went up to the microphone and said, I just feel like God is going to heal people tonight. And that was a huge step of faith for me, as you can imagine. My heart was just beating out of my chest. I mean, I was only about 19 or 20 years old and I, I just couldn't get it out of my mind that God wanted to heal people right now. So I walked up to the microphone, asked permission to share, and um, I just shared, I think God wants to heal people tonight, and I'd given two words of knowledge. Uh, I feel like there's two people here, this and that, and they came forward. Well, the one lady that had come forward uh, had these really swollen ankles. I mean, they must have been, I don't know, maybe six, seven inches wide, and she had penny loafers on. I will never forget this for all of my life. I laid my hands on her ankles and closed my eyes and just prayed a very simple prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, please heal this woman's legs and her feet, her ankles. Thank you, Jesus, for your healing power. Thank you for your grace. And simple prayer, open my eyes. Something's real simple like that. And her ankles were like this big. And she was a relatively small woman. She freaked out starts jumping up and down, screaming. And on either side of her ankle is like two inches in these penny loafers. And I'm telling you, that changed my life. From that moment on, I became extremely passionate to see God move, uh, because I know he could, to see God heal, because I know he could. I saw it right in front of my eyes. I'll never be the same. Um, I'm always praying for people to be healed. I know God doesn't always heal right in front of us like that. Sometimes it's a process. And sometimes we're healed in heaven. Uh, I know we're gonna be healed here or there, something God's been trying to teach me. And, uh, but I'm telling you, Jesus still heals. I have seen him do it time and time again. But that's my story of when God really wrecked my life and made me unsatisfied for normal, christianity there was going to be no more normal christianity i from that point on uh, was going to expect god to be god and jesus to show his love and power um, no matter how bad the situation one of the things i can't deny god moving in my life was a time i was uh, my second year of bible college and i had um, just a medical issue that uh, became really painful, really frustrating. So I went to a a local doctor, and the doctor told me that uh, I would not be able to have kids. And he told me I had something that, um, I mean, it just left me hopeless. I just remember going to my car and just hitting the steering wheel, um, crying, uh, even maybe yelling at God. I was so mad. Uh, I had lived my life for the Lord and felt like I was just getting this undeserved um, punishment or undeserved bad situation. And uh, of course, we all know that we don't deserve anything good, right? But in the moment, that's just what I was feeling. And uh, God had to—God really had to deal with me and help me see uh, how broken. Um, I needed to be before him. I went to a second doctor. Doctor told me the same thing. He told me I, I would never have kids. And um, I knew I wanted to have kids. This was a really big deal. Um, I had already been, you know, dating my my now wife Danielle. I'd been dating her a couple years since we were 16, high school sweethearts. We had talked about how many kids we want to have. And I mean, we even babysat together. We served in the nursery together. Like we wanted kids. We loved kids. And so. To have to call Danielle, this was the lowest moment of my life. I remember calling Danielle and saying to her, two doctors have said I have this disease and that I won't have kids and I can't have kids. And I did nothing to deserve this disease. And trying to explain that to her through tears and Hearing her response was just so relieving. She just said, Jordan, I am with you, I believe you, and uh, I'm with you no matter what. Um, And I remember it was about a month later that I was still in, in pain and still having issues going on. And I was in the bathroom of my apartment and I was on the floor and I was just so mad at God and I'm sitting there, and I heard the Lord. It's was kind of venting to God, you know. And I heard the Lord ask me, if I don't heal you, will you still pray for people to be healed? Now, you have to remember, it was only three or four months before that I had seen that woman's ankles shrink. And so I knew Jesus could heal like that. And so for God to ask me that, and I'm telling you, it was as loud and clear as my voice. I mean, it wasn't audible, but I'm saying in my mind, I knew, in my heart, in my mind, I knew God was saying that question to me. Will you still pray for people to be healed? It took me a long time to answer. And I said, yes, Lord, I'll still pray for people to be healed. It was within a week that the problem resolved. I went back to the doctor. And he said, oh, never mind. You don't have the disease here. And uh, that problem never came back. And Jesus let me go through that, I believe, to bring me to a place of brokenness where I would commit to trust him no matter what. He wanted me to see, I think, just his grace that no matter, I was completely undeserving of anything good in my life. And I think that's what grace is, right? Is to see that God, everything good in my life is an expression of God's grace. I haven't deserved or performed anything to deserve or merit any of the things that I have in my life, my my marriage, my job, my anything. Uh, it's all a gift, an expression of God's grace. And I know that moment brought me to a place of humble obedience to God that I wouldn't have got to without that moment. So God used that brokenness uh, as part of my story, Uh, part of bringing me to a place of submission that no matter what the Lord said, no matter who the Lord asked me to pray for, no matter what God asked me to do, I would say yes. So that was a place of brokenness and uh, I guess humility the Lord really wanted to take me to. Uh, And that's uh, my story of God's grace.
3: I'm Eric Victor, and this is a story of God's grace in my life. Um, growing, up, I had a pretty normal childhood growing up. Um, I had two parents, had a you know a loving home, and um, nothing really out of the ordinary. Um, when I was 12 years old, my house burned down, and uh, that that started a whole whole chain of events that I uh, never really re- would have realized till years later in my life that was the beginning of uh, trauma in my life and um, I always watched my parents my and other people they always drank to have fun and and uh, I saw that and that's that's just what I thought you did you to have fun you had to have you drank that's just it's what you did so I, I began to act out in, in that way and experiment in that way and um, um, story of addiction is uh, it's a story of little compromises. Um, it doesn't you don't just wake up and with a needle in your arm. It's always one little step away and another little step and another little step until one day you wake up and you don't even know where you're at anymore. And um, that's really what how it happened. Um, and, I mean I drank you know here and there till probably about the age of 18, 19. And then I uh, experienced a lot of loss in my life. Uh, 18, 19, and 20, and 21. Every year I lost someone that was really, really close to me. And uh, I didn't know how to deal with that. Um, Addiction is also the um, outward expression of an inward emotion. The drugs are just a symptom of that. Um, But anyway, as as I dealt with that in my own head, or tried not to deal with that in my own head, I uh, began from drinking. I smoked pot, and from smoking pot led to cocaine, and cocaine led to crack, and crack led to opiates, um, which eventually led to heroin. And uh, as soon as I, I found heroin, that was that was uh, that was my drug. Um, I didn't have to think, I didn't have to feel. It just took everything away. Um, However, as my habit increased, so did my tolerance. And and, um, all of a sudden, $20 a day, I needed $50 a day, and then $100 a day. And then I couldn't keep a job because I was sick all the time. So then I had to steal. just to just to feel well just to not be sick anymore and um, so those things obviously led me to going to jail I've probably spent about two and a half years of my life locked up um, a year and a half of that in uh, certain rehab programs in county jails and I did a little more than a year in uh, prison, Richland Correctional Institution, prison number is 623896 um, and that is where, when I was in prison, where, where the uh, the God seed was planted in me. Um, I uh, I was just having a horrible day. Uh, this guy came up to me and he said, um, "God wants me to come talk to you." And you know, you're thinking this guy's nuts, you know. And the guy totally read my mail, knew everything that was going on with me, knew. It was crazy when he knew. And he, uh, I decided I'd give give it a shot. I'd give this Bible-thumping stuff a shot at, you know, that time. And um, started going to Bible studies, even though I had no clue what they were saying. And um, went to different church services. Um, just kind of tried it all out. And really it kept, kept me out of trouble in there, really. And then... Um, when I got out you know I had the best of intentions and uh, I was high within four hours of getting out and I really really thought I was done with that. Um, so that that led to a whole whole other spiral just a continuing cycle um, thinking I could try and do it all on my own and I really couldn't. Um, so I ended up back with my mom and dad my parents they didn't know Everything was going on, and they were about to find out, though, one day. I decided I was going to go to church. I got invited with some friends of mine, and um, figured I would go, and it would be like my preemptive strike, that uh, as soon as I was accused of doing drugs, it would be like, would someone on heroin really be going to church on Sunday, you know? So um, I went, and I just completely got rocked. There was no other explanation or there is no other explanation on this earth than it was the presence of God. You know, I couldn't, I was standing up and I couldn't, couldn't talk. I couldn't sit down. My legs were shaking and crying. Um, I have, I had a guy next to me literally holding me up and I just, I didn't know what was going on. It didn't match my inside emotions because I was just like a scared little kid almost inside, just like what's going on, what's going on. And it was funny, I remember looking at the the worship leader on stage and he's smiling, just staring at me. And I'm like, oh great, these guys think it's funny. I'm Falling apart, it's just this good time. But I left there, changed that day. And uh, I went to bed that night had my first real conversation with God, real heart-to-heart, not just to get me out of trouble kind of thing. And uh, I I said, show me a reel. And uh, I didn't go through any withdrawals. Um, I didn't do drugs for about two weeks. It was a two-week period there. But I went through no opiate withdrawals. I had about a gram-and-a-half heroin habit a day at that time. So, I mean, that, that's unheard of. I slept every night. Um, it was it was crazy but from that point on I went through about a nine-month just craziness in my life of um, God just showing up and me knowing the right way but um, it was so ingrained in me the drug lifestyle that I had to unlearn a lot of that so I kept running back and forth go to church for a couple weeks and then I would go use for a couple weeks and I'd use just long enough to go through some serious withdrawals and then I would cold turkey those withdrawals in my in my bedroom you know by myself and I did this for for about nine months I, I would also I'd get in trouble I would find myself getting in trouble with I would get caught cops who knew me um, didn't like me and where I they had me, you know they could arrested me, taking me to jail, and I'm getting let go. Um, it was all, all God's hand. And uh, there was another time I actually admitted to something, to keep from some, to try and keep someone else um, from getting in trouble. And I wrote a statement down and everything, and I went to court the next day, and they threw it all out after I admitted that I did it. Um, and then I got in trouble for this—the this smallest, littlest thing. It was just a, a minor misdemeanor. And I was, as I was sitting in the back of the cop car, I knew, I knew that that was it. It was over. There was no more. It's like I, I could take a deep breath, and I knew, I just knew that I knew that it was done. And um, from that point on, that was uh, May fifteenth, two thousand and fifteen was the last time I ever did heroin um, and since then it's just been a crazy a crazy um, my life has just been so richly blessed that there's words can't describe everything that God's given me um, just from um, you know a family um, you know my awesome wife. I'll tell a story with that. Um, God's never taken something away from me without giving me something better. Now sometimes that's not isn't always what we want it to look like. Um, but um, like my my mom passed away, and uh, that was really hard for me. And um, she got to see me sober. I was really really proud of that. But in the doing of that. God restored my entire family. Most of them didn't talk for 20, 25 years. And in the doing of that, I met my wife, um, which is crazy, because I never thought I could do the, uh, the sex before marriage thing. I was like, nope, not me. I would just avoid the whole Christian dating thing. And uh, I began to pray that uh, God send me someone that makes me want to do that. Makes you, me want to honor you in that way. And uh, that's lo and behold, just, my wife. My wife's a children's pastor um, at our church, and she's just amazing. And um, I have two awesome babies. I have my son Wyatt and my uh, my daughter Ella. And um, you know, I have house, cars, job. Um, all of that was unthinkable five years ago I would have never I didn't think I had my own the own my own self-value to be able to deserve things like that and uh, it's just funny when uh, I feel like in this season God's just telling me to be faithful and the little and um, you know I just started being a good steward with my money and me and my wife both we got jobs at doubled our income almost you know it's, it's just it's, it's crazy we have a house that was given to me by someone who I stole from which is a whole other story um, of God's grace but uh, now we've been a good steward with that and it's the next step and, and we're in the process of buying another house and uh, all the detail if you ask me to write, write down 10 things I wanted in a house or in a property even Um, this house would have all of them plus another 10 I didn't even realize I thought would would want and uh, it's just crazy how God cares about the details of your life you know and um, it's just so awesome you know every day might not be the easiest but it's a lot easier with him in my life Jesus I would Love is the first word that comes to mind. Love and grace. Um, like I just talked about the self worth. I would have. I had such self worth issues with not even knowing that I had them. Um, I mean, granted, when I was a drug addict, most drug addicts don't want to live. They they just think they're too far gone. But you know, Jesus came into my life and he showed me so much better than what I could have ever imagined. Like. If I would have thought that, you know, right here life is good, like, my life right here is up here, you know. And it's just, it amazes me every day, just, just the detail, like I say. And, you know, grace and forgiveness, because we can all beat ourselves up. And, and uh, oh man, I'm just, I'm, I'm not as obedient as, as I, I should have been. Man, I, I should have prayed for this person, I should have done that. And at the end of the day, I think we're all more obedient than we think we are. You know, um, God factors in our stupidity in, in some cases.
4: story of God's amazing grace. Back in 1996, I caught a virus and I coughed. I went from a perfectly normal voice to absolutely no voice in one cough. So we've let it go for a while, thinking it was laryngitis, just overstrained voice. A couple months go by, we go back to the doctors. Oh, well, you just have seasonal allergies. Here, let's try this couple more months go by, and it's still not any better. Finally, about eight months in, they finally send me to a specialist who starts doing some diagnostics, and it turns out I had dislocated my vocal cord. And because it had been dislocated for so long, it had curled up on itself and died. So the first procedure they wanted to try was to putting it back in place using a Teflon injection. So this is 96, now it's November, coming up on Thanksgiving. And um, when I originally just located it, it was January, the first week of January. So it's 11 months before we try any procedure. They take me in, they do the injections. Because we're dealing with the airways, they keep you in the hospital overnight. Well, not two hours after surgery, I coughed and it was back out of place. So I go home with no voice and a sore throat this time. They decide that in two weeks, they're going to actually open up my throat like a book and put in a prosthetic. And now that's a very strange surgery to go through because they wake you up several, they put you in and out of consciousness while they're doing this so they can adjust your voice and adjust the prosthetic. So Christmas, of 96 I get my prosthetic and this is cutting edge back then they really didn't know where to go with it after that and yeah I had a voice it was very hard to hear I sounded like I was always sick and um it really makes you self-conscious you start isolating yourself because you can't be heard over the background noise If I was lucky, it was a whisper most days. So you get tired of people asking, hey, you got a cold? Are you sick? And they giving you these funny looks. And so from 96 to 2000, we just lived with it. That was the best we were gonna get. And um, I ended up with a really bad sore throat in 2000. Ended up back at the doctor's and they have to take out my tonsils. <laughs> Here's something you don't think about when they put something fixed down your airway, is now you have a smaller airway and they can't innovate you correctly. So I had my tonsils taken out with basically um, an epidural type of situation. I can remember everything in the operating room and that kind of freaked out the doctor <laughs> afterwards. So we got referred to a specialist whose primary focus was vocal cords and injured vocal cords. And he started doing some reconstructive surgery and knowing that we can't do a whole lot with the prosthesis, decided to work around it. So he started with collagen injections because one of the things with paralysis and dead tissue is you're gonna get atrophy. And so what makes your voice actually work is the vibration of your vocal cords opening and closing. And at this point, I only had one vocal cord that opened and closed. And because of the atrophy, they weren't closing. So we started doing collagen injections. And all of a sudden, I had, didn't have to scream to be heard. I could be heard, didn't have a loud voice, but I could be heard again. And so that was a huge change. And we started doing this every six months since 2000. So every six months I go under general anesthesia and have injections done in the vocal cords to fill the vocal cords. And with the prosthesis, that was great, but you get tired of that. And I mean, over the years, I've had a lot of words spoken over me. And one of the ones is the hardest to receive was from my parents. And it was that the prosthesis was going to pop out and God was gonna heal your vocal cords. Well, even though we've been involved in ministry for so many years and we've done a lot of stuff, that is the hardest word to receive because you know your parents love you and they want what's best for you. And you get tired of treatment after a while, so you just stop. So in about 2007, I decided to be a guinea pig and try a new injectable. And yeah, that wasn't very good. So I decided to take a break from treatment and I took five years off and which by the end of five years, I absolutely had no voice again. I was back to having to basically strain to talk and we ended up in Seattle at this point. So we've gone from the Bay area where I met the amazing doctor up to Seattle. Well, it turns out the doctor in Seattle's who trained my doctor, In the Bay Area. So that is a huge God move. And he started working on it and the best they could come up with being one of the top doctors in the country of the specialty area is we could either fix the voice or we could fix the airway. There was not going to be a way that we could fix both. So did I want to breathe better or did I want to talk better? How do you choose? How do you choose? You really can't. And the doctors are always going to lean to you breathing better, which if we do that surgery, 90% chance I was going to lose all voice. If we go with better voice, yeah, 25% chance of better voice, but more like a 75% chance of worse breathing. So at that time we prayed and prayed over it And we knew God was getting ready to move us again. And we asked him for a word of where we were going because we knew it was one of two areas. And we walked into my doctor's office later, about two weeks after that, and he's not knowing that we're planning on moving anywhere. And he goes, I need you to go to Cleveland. There's a doctor there I need you to see. So Cleveland happened to be one of the two places we knew we were going to. So. Now, we're in Cleveland. We've been here about three years. And my first doctor, they always want to jump in and do this surgery and that surgery. And my thing is, let's put on the brakes. You can do a collagen injection that lets you see what's been done. Yeah, I know you've read the four-inch-thick medical record. They don't really do that. You've read the highlights of that record. But you don't know what's actually physically in there. And so the first thing I always let him do is a collagen injection to see what's actually there because it's not what they're expecting. He goes in and does a collagen injection and he's like, wow, you're right, it's not what I was expecting. But over the years, because of the Teflon, now they know Teflon's a problem in the body, I had grown basically a mass down the prosthesis side because my body was rejecting the Teflon. And what Teflon does is go in like roots of a tree and spreads. It doesn't stay in one place. So there's really no way for them to get it out. And his idea was to go in and just shave the mass, which would open up the airway. So we scheduled the surgery, and about four weeks before that, I'm at an immerse. And Will gives a a word about somebody's throat and originally it was a throat cancer and I told God that's not me I don't have cancer and he goes nope it's not cancer I'm wrong you just have a long-term throat issue and yeah that was me and so we went up and prayed and they prayed that I would the word was I was going to be healed and so that was really exciting because I have surgery coming up in four weeks and so we were hoping this would be the the one where are Everything's gonna be so different. Well, during surgery, as they're shaving down the mass, my prosthetic popped out. I knew it was broken. The doctors never believed it was broken. I know the day I broke it. (laughs) Because I told them, I called them and told them I broke it. Coughing again. And so um, my quick little in and out ended up being a hospital stay because it was much more in depth than they expected and um they didn't know where the healing was gonna go they didn't expect the vocal cord to stay in place because now i don't have a prosthetic holding it in place and you have to understand this is now 2018 and that prosthetic's been in there since 96 almost to the day it was one month short of when i got it put in so we give it six months and i go in and They see some improvement. They're not sure what's really going on, but it's still in place. So that doctor who did the surgery sends me to the head of the department. It didn't work. So he got kind of frustrated and sent me off to another doctor who I absolutely adore. And we went back to collagen injections just to see if the tissue that was there could hold the collagen because they didn't really know what was going to be there after the prosthesis, the vocal cord had healed after the prosthesis, how is it staying in place? Is it really in place? And so we'd go in and it's still kind of raw because this is about a little over a year after the major surgery. And he gently does some injections and well, it's still holding. And after the injections, it takes about four to six weeks for my voice to level out. And it sounds really good. And um, this September, and here in 2020, I went back for my six month checkup. And I walk in and they stick me in the room with all this fun COVID stuff going on. And a voice specialist comes in, the physical therapist. She goes, you know what? I really want to scope you and take a look. I haven't seen you yet. You've seen everybody else on the floor. In fact, you've even seen my boss. But you've got such a neat case, I wanna see you. And so she scopes me. And um, we go through a little routine. You have these words and sounds you make. And she starts freaking out. My husband's eyes are huge. I can't see anything on the camera or the screen behind me. But I'm watching everybody's reaction around me. And all of a sudden, She pulls the camera out and says, I'll be right back. And so now I'm really anxious. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And my husband's just got a big old grin on his face. And so all of a sudden we've got in this tiny little exam room, all of a sudden there's now another six or eight people in this room. And they're all watching this video in amazement because the dead vocal cord is still in place and it's now vibrating and it's trying to move and they're all just sitting there stunned because in all human logic this should not have happened this is a dead vocal cord does not stay in place it's now stayed in place for two years and it's now vibrating and now it's actually trying to open and close what you need to understand is this is a vocal cord that was sitting there, unused, unmoving for 20 years. And, I mean, I've watched these doctors just go and get everybody on this floor because they could not believe it. It was just amazing to watch. And we decided we'd go ahead and do a little bit of a collagen tune-up again. And that's kind of like right now what we're doing. We're waiting and watching God's healing. But yeah, we'll go in probably every six months as we need it, and as it's rebuilding its strength, and as it's rebuilding itself, to give it some help with the collagen. But there's gonna be a day when it's not needed anymore, and we know it's coming. And it's what's the most amazing part, is this is all documented on video. To watch the video from two years ago, to watching this video, the most recent one, is just amazing to see no vocal cord, to see it nice, white, full vocal cord that's actually vibrating. I, my youngest son, who's now 25, has never heard my normal voice. And I know there's gonna be a day when he hears what my voice was originally. My older boys kind of remember it, but not really. So it's very strange to have it coming back. And my name's Nikki, and that's my Amazing God story.
5: My name is Jennifer Kitzmiller, and this is my story of God's grace. Um, I've had it on my heart to share my story um, just within the church, within our church, knowing that there are so many families who are um, faithfully raising their children in Christian homes, um, seeing the inheritance of uh, the Beals and their family, um, the Harnets, the Smeebles, um, our family just knowing that there are generations of Christians within our church. Um, And then hearing just so many testimonies um, of different ways that God has drawn people to himself. I just had it on my heart to share um, how God can keep us and hold us and raise us up in a Christian home and especially minister that to our youth who we're desiring to build into and bring godly wisdom to um, and so I just had it on my heart I reached out to Pastor Jordan and um, shared parts of my story with the youth the other night and he asked me to to come and share it with all of you uh, so I'm happy to do that um, and just wanted to just start with the the fact that I was raised in a Christian home my parents accepted Christ when I was very young and um, I was probably about two years old, and so I grew up just knowing my dad communicated God's Word to us. He communicated our need for a relationship with God personally. Uh, He encouraged us to learn scripture, uh, to know God's Word, to have it in our heart, to read a chapter of the Bible daily, and my mom definitely prayed for us, you know, in just her concerns as a mom, she would take them to to God and she would pray for us. just that God would keep us and protect us and hold us and I watched God faithfully do that throughout my life Um, I embraced God's Word I knew that I needed God Um, there were different ways that I was sensitive to the Holy Spirit and just wanting to know that I was walking in the right path Um, and so I, I remember you know just conversations with my dad along the way and just always coming back to Scripture and the fruit of the Spirit and God being in our hearts. And so um, even going off to college, I remember being challenged to share my three-minute testimony, um, that before Christ, receiving Christ and after Christ. And, um, and I just thought, well, there's not much before Christ because I probably accepted Christ when I was about six or seven years old and walked with Him throughout uh, my childhood and even into high school I desired to have ministry and and do what God what God wanted me to do and so I just began to think about what is my testimony um, and I remember I'll walk across campus just kind of lifting my heart to God and asking him um, you know do I believe this because it's what I've always been taught or are is it is it what I truly believe and just, knowing God's presence, um, knowing that there was nothing else for me that if I began to undo everything I believed in um, that I was I wouldn't even know where to begin to define myself and I just consider that his grace um, of being able to be defined by a family um, who gave me God's word and built into me that way and so I just continued to walk with the Lord and began to define my testimony by His grace, that I was kept um, from so many things because I was taught the right way from a young age. Um, And I just, I'm sharing this because I'm passionate about continuing to build that into our kids, um, into our youth for them to know that that's a testimony. Um, And so as I walked with the Lord, as I began to be defined by grace and realize just just the gift of of who he who he is and what he brings into our life i um you know i was doing campus ministry and continuing to serve in various ways and my deepest desire was to be a wife and a mom um and that wasn't in my path at that time and so i just continued to walk and take steps toward toward college and career and as i was finishing up college Um, In my last two years, I did begin to date a guy that I was doing ministry with. Um, We led prayer together and were part of Bible studies. And I just remember thinking, like, this is is how God works. Like, we just, we walk with the Lord and he lines things up in right timing and um, just continued to see him as very good. And so um, as we became engaged, though, um, there were some things that just, weren't sitting well with me something didn't feel right Uh, years earlier when I was in seventh grade I had heard a story that my dad told me of a girl who um, got married to a man she thought she she thought was a Christian was walking with the Lord at the time and they got married and she found out things in their marriage that that it ended. And so I had prayed. Um when I was in 7th grade, I had knelt down at my bed and said, "Lord, you know this is the desire of my heart. And um I'm just asking you to protect me that even if I'm halfway down the aisle, if you shake my peace, I pray that I would turn around and and walk back." Um wanting his way above my own wanting to be protected from things that I couldn't see. So in this relationship that I had in college things just shook my peace and and I went before God again and I said something's not right please show me show me what's not right again asking for God's way above my own and God was faithful Uh, then very next night we were out to dinner and had a conversation where I learned some things that um, I didn't want to bring into my marriage and over time trying to work things out but them not quite working out we broke up and it was a very hurtful time in my life and even shook shook me a little bit to think like now things weren't working out the way that I had planned that um just just thinking like okay now what like this was the desire of my heart and I had a friend during that time encouraging me that God wanted my whole heart and so I came back to those simple truths—that faith that um, was in His Word, that um, He remained faithful, that He would withhold nothing good from me, um, that His promises were true, that He still had purpose and plan for my life—and I just kind of took those one day at a time. And it—it it took time. Um, I remember telling myself, "Life's not a two-hour movie," and just kind of walking out the days with the Lord and and letting those simple truths kind of carry me into the next day and um, dated uh, had another significant relationship that ended um, went out on a couple different dates but continually was just kind of asking the Lord to to show me what he had for my life Um, and at one point um, I was asked out and went out on a couple dates with someone and was just it was a really fun time and was thankful and turned the conversation around at one on one of the dates to say you know I've talked about church I've talked about leading Bible studies but you haven't you haven't said anything back and he looked at me and he said yeah I knew that would come up he said "Um, I just I don't believe in God and at that point I was just like I wasn't even looking for this you know and so at this point um, I was just feeling hurt um just after one failed relationship after another and this not working out and this not being the right thing and I I remember going out into my parents driveway and just getting before God and thinking about my friend's encouragement that God wanted my whole heart and I remember just being very angry and sitting on the on the ground on the driveway and saying God if this is how you love me I'm not sure if I want it. I felt like I was doing all the right things to show him my love I was ministering and doing. And I just felt hurt, kind of let down by God. And where God's grace just shined is I immediately felt humbled. And I knew that even though it hurt and I felt like I didn't want it, I knew I needed his love. And I knew he needed to do a work in me. Um, to grab my whole heart and um, he humbled me and even in devotions that followed he just showed me that when we hear his truth um, he encourages do not harden your heart and so those scriptures that my dad taught me came back and I came across them again do not harden your heart and I just began to ask God to to soften my heart more to what he had for me and who he wanted to be in my life. um, through that time, um, did uh, a couple of Bible studies, falling in love with Jesus, living in love with Jesus, um, continued to minister, to continued to to date a little bit, and and just but still see God as the one that I needed. And I remember at one point driving. And walking through these Bible studies and just feeling so uplifted and such an intimacy with God, knowing that I could share my life with Him and that He wanted it all, and feeling such an intimacy that I went home and I journaled and um, journaled that uh, that it didn't matter if God gave me a husband or a family, that He was enough and that I could have that joy in my life and that intimacy with Him. And um, in the meantime, I had been working at TCTC, at the Trumbull Current Technical Center, and my prayer partner was Nancy Kitzmiller. And it was um, not too long after that journal that she introduced me to her son. And we now have four beautiful girls. And I just think if I had hardened my heart in that time, you know, I would have missed out on what God had for me. He protected me. Uh, he was working in Matt, working out his testimony to get bring us together in the right time. Um, and I just, I share that story with my girls. And when we get to the part where I meet their dad, they just cheer. They're excited. They can't imagine anyone else being their dad. And, um, and I shared it with our youth, too, because I just want them to know God's protection, that they can come to him with every emotion, um, that their testimonies, in God's grace being kept walking with God um, can be exciting. They can bring life to them, a life that they desire. So it was after I had fully surrendered um, my heart to Jesus that he brought in the desire of my heart.
1: What if your story is never heard? What if the testimonies of God's goodness, miracles, and salvation remained unshared and untold? Your children, your neighbors, and your family wouldn't know about the good things God has done. Your story matters. Your story is our story. It's God's story of redemption, grace, mercy, and kindness. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, God through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation story of God's grace matters. Your story matters. You know, I heard some some tears in this service too, as well as first, and I, I know that God was speaking through those powerful testimonies. And did you guys notice how they're all very unique, right? What God wanted to bring Jen to was this place of what she wrote in her journal, God, you are enough. It was almost like God was maybe not letting her have That desire of a husband yet Until she came to that point Just like she said It wasn't until I released that To the Lord And uh, so maybe you identify with her Maybe you identify with Eric Maybe there's an addiction in your life And if you're tuning in online Maybe there's an addiction in your life That you can't shake And you don't know where to go I want to tell you that All four of those testimonies Did have one thing in common right At some point they trusted at some point, they they gave up trying to do it on their own. They gave up trying to figure it out on your own. And if you're listening at home or if you're here right now and you're just doing life on your own, you haven't surrendered to God yet, now is a perfect opportunity to surrender to God. This morning, today, maybe November 8th is the day that one day you'll look back say it was November 8th, 2020, that I finally surrendered to God. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to make an opportunity for you right now. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. It is the most important, most beautiful thing you can do in your life. I want to tell you that life is short next thing you know, this life will be over. Your opportunity to serve God and to choose grace will be over. It can happen in in just an instant. The psalmist said it like this, my life is a vapor. It's like a mist in the morning. It's here and then gone. I want to encourage you to let your story change today. Let your story be a day of God's grace. A moment when you let God intervene so if you're here or if you're listening online would you just right now raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior I see a couple people maybe rededicating her for the first time that is amazing that is awesome I want you to understand God loves you more than you could ever understand ma'am sir God loves you more than you could Ever understand, and your life can change today. Today, would you guys repeat this prayer with me? Those of you that raise your hand, and anyone who's online, I want you to repeat this with me from the bottom of your heart, dear God. I surrender my life to you. I want my story to be your story. I realize today that I need your forgiveness that on my own, I make a mess of things because of my sin. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. Thank you for promising me eternal life with you. Fill me with your grace and love. Walk with me every day from this point on. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Some people are dedicating or rededicating their life to Jesus today. Is that awesome? Can we give God a shout of praise? All of heaven is celebrating. And isn't it powerful that on the heels of not a sermon, not a three-point sermon, but just people sharing their testimony. My mom did a study on that word one time, and do you know what it actually means? Do it again, to testify. means to do it again, so God, do it again. Save someone else. Can you stand up to your feet? Because I want to leave you with a challenge today. I want to leave you with a challenge. Maybe God, and likely God, has done something powerful in you. story is unique. I think about you you and TJ, right? I think about you too. I think about each of you, you having a powerful story of God's grace showing up in your life. Here's what I want to ask you. Do your kids know that? Do your parents know that? Or if you grandparents here today, do your grandkids know your story? So I want to leave you with a challenge. Who's who's okay for a challenge, all right? All right? I want to challenge you to share your story with your kids, with your family. Who's willing to take that challenge, all right? And how about this? Here's a really big challenge. Today at lunch, share stories of God intervening in your life, talk about that more than Today, who's willing to take that challenge? Because here's the thing, your kids might not know. Your kids might not know when you gave your heart to Christ, what that was like, what you felt, where were you? Who was with you? Who led you to Christ? Maybe a time when God provided for you financially that was unbelievable. Or you just intervened. Tell your family today, don't leave on no. see you guys have a great week.